Okay, I think we're good. We're in the Gospel of Luke. Um, that should be on page, uh, Matt, what is it? Page 800 and 856. Okay, good. <laughs> I forgot to write down the page number again, but we're, we are in the Gospel of Luke, and uh, we've been looking, um, we've, we've kind of been looking at this Christmas story over the last few weeks. We've, we've seen some things. We've seen... Um, uh, Mary and an angel, and and then Mary has a relative named Elizabeth, and and uh, and both of them have miracle pregnancies. And we saw last week how Mary praised God and worshipped God and sang this song of of uh, recognizing um, what God had done for her, uh, calling her. Um, recognizing God's nature, His character, and and the works that He's done, and um, and and the and the plan of salvation that was being inaugurated um, through this little child, this this miracle pregnancy. Um, today we're going to look look um, look at Jesus' birth, His actual birth. Um, but before we do that, um, let me ask you this question. Um, have you, have you guys, do you guys follow the news? Do you follow the national news, news around the world, um, things like that? You guys follow the news for some of, some of you like, ah, I could care less. I see some nodding heads and yes. Um, boy, I tell you what, if you're a news junkie, it can get really discouraging, can't it? <laughs> um, I mean, think about the, the, the things that have been going on recently around the world and, and in our own country. Um, Ebola outbreaks, right? It's an epidemic in Africa and even came to the United States and people have died of it. Um, Ebola, people are scared to travel to certain parts of the world. What's going to happen? What if, I tra- what if I get on a plane and I go to Kenya? No. Okay, all right, all right. Don't freak out. Don't freak out, Kevin. But there are things going on all over the world. What's going on here, right? Um, uh, ISIS... That's been in the news a lot this year. ISIS, the Islamic State in Iraq, right? And they've been doing all kinds of crazy stuff. And boy, our Christian brothers and sisters are suffering. Um, they're going through tribulation. <laughs> they're going through all kinds of terrible things. They're losing their lives. Mothers, fathers, children are all losing their lives for the sake of Christ because of the threat of ISIS. Well, in our own country, um, riots in Ferguson. That made the news a few weeks ago. Holy cow. What was going on there? It's like the world just kind of got turned upside down for a while. And then protests are happening all over the place. Well, most recently, what? Cyber attacks from North Korea? Shutting down movies in the United States? Might not have been a movie you wanted to see anyway, but all this stuff is going on. Who's safe from all of this stuff? Well, just yesterday, uh, two New York City police officers were assassinated. Assassinated, I, I think that's a good way to put it. They were deliberately attacked and gunned down because they were police officers in New York City. Isn't it about time we had some good news? You know, there's all kinds of bad news all around us. It's crazy. And um, I don't know, maybe, maybe you think um, gas under $2 a gallon is good news. 
I know it's not too bad. Or, or, I don't know how you feel about this, but how about diplomatic relations with Cuba? Is that good news? I don't know if it is or not. How about the birth of an Ill- illegitimate child in a little country town? How about that for good news? Is it, that, would that be good news? Would that, would that hit... The, would that hit MSN? Would, would that be on Fox News? Breaking news. Would that pop up on your you know, web browser? Probably not. Well, that's what we got here. That's what we got here in, in the Bible. Follow with me as I read Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2. Beginning at verse 1. In those days a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. This was the first registration when Quirinius was governor of Syria, and all went to be registered, each to his own town. And Joseph also went to the city of Galilee. um, Excuse me. And Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the town of Nazareth, to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David. To be registered with Mary, his betrothed, who was with child. And while they were there, the time came for her to give birth. And she gave birth to her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling cloths and laid him in a manger because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them and they were filled with great fear. And the angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this word. Thank you for this good news. Um, And Lord, I pray that you'll help us to understand this morning um, through this message as we look at it more closely. Holy Spirit, help us to understand how this is good news for us. How the birth of this, this, this baby um, in, a, in a little country town more than 2,000 years ago is good news for us today. Help us to see that. Give us those eyes to see and soften our hearts to hear, to understand um, what you want to speak to us about this morning. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to look at. Um, we're just going to look at a few things. There's a whole lot going on here, and uh, we can't we can't possibly unpack everything that's in these passages, uh, in all of these little verses. But I want to sh- I want to I want to narrow in on a one one character, 
or one group of characters in this story. I want us to look at the shepherds. Look at the shepherds and, and let's see if we can see the Christmas story through their eyes and what they might have experienced. Because they, they received this good news. We, see, we, we hear the angel coming and saying, I bring you good news of great joy. I'm proclaiming good news to you. Why was this good news? And what was it all about? You know, first of all, uh, it's good news to people like shepherds. <laughs> because the shepherds are the ones who are hearing this. It was, it was, um, it was good news um, to outcasts. People who were on the outside of society. People who didn't get a lot of respect. Shepherds weren't known for being people of importance. Um, shepherds were often despised and, distru- and, and despised and distrusted. There are um, stories about shepherds, and pe- people wrote about shepherds uh, back in this time period, uh, that they were often known as thieves. They stayed outside, um, they, they watched flocks, and if you weren't careful, they would, they would bring, your, bring their... their flocks through your little area and then they would go on into the next area and, and then you'd turn around and go, well, hey, where was that one, uh, you know, where's that tool or where was that, that maybe pump or there's something on our farm and it's missing now. Oh, the shepherds must have taken it when they came through with their flocks. They had a bad reputation. Nobody wanted to really hang out with shepherds. Um, but yet, here they are out in the fields watching their flocks, keeping watch, keeping guard and uh, the angel of the Lord appears to them. And he's the one who's bringing good news to people like shepherds. You know, if God wanted to make, uh, you know, think about it, if he wanted to make a bigger deal out of Jesus' birth, you know, he could have been, Jesus could have been born to a really important family. You know, maybe, maybe he could have been born to a king in a, in a palace, in a big city, where everyone was going to, hear about this news and everyone was going to, you know, the, the announcement would go out to everyone, to, to very important people. But, but, I think G, but I think God had, a, had a, a slightly different plan, obviously. This was going to be good news for all the people, not just for kings and emperors, not just for important people. It was going to be for everyone. He says, the angel says this, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. We'll look at that in a second. How is this good news for everyone? You know, a royal birth um, may be celebrated by all people. Um, have we heard, a, has, have we, has there been a royal birth recently in the world? Uh, I mean, right? No, Matt's like, I, I don't know. <laughs> Okay, this little prince, right? This little princeling. This little, this little guy was born to what? Prince William and Princess Kate, right? And how do you think that has affected um, your life today? Probably not much. And I bet if you lived in Great Britain, even though you'd be proud of the fact that there, a new prince was born, a future king, um, do you think it's affected their life much at all? Probably not much. They go on, their life goes on like normal. It just, you know, you just, they just kind of go through life. But what if God himself, what if God himself 
was born as a little baby? And what if he was born to an ordinary family? Not, not a great king, not an important family. The ordinariness of his birth would mean that, that it's good news for everyone. Not just for the, the rich, not just for the popular, not just for celebrities, not for the powerful, not for uh, the intelligent or the wise or the skillful, the people who have influence. For everyone. For everyone. And that's what we have here in the story. God becoming a man, being born to an ordinary family so that it would be good news for everyone. And look at, look, look at the next phrase I read a moment ago. He, this day, born to you in the city of David, a Savior, a Savior who is Christ the Lord. This was not just an ordinary baby. The emperors claimed at this time, the emperors claimed to be Savior. Caesar Augustus said, I am your Savior and your Lord. I've got it all covered now. Now that I'm king, you'll, you'll have all your problems solved. I'll take care of you all. Here's some of the things he might have said. I'll save you from your enemies. I will save you from famine and poverty. I will give you jobs. I will provide you pleasure. I will give you a good life. You'll have meaning now. The fact is that we need to be saved. That's why God became a man and was born in a humble circumstance to an ordinary family because we need a Savior. Our world is broken and it is messed up. You just watch the news and you see how messed up it is and how much bad news there is in the world. And it all stems from one problem. Sin. That's what God calls it. Right? We try to get rid of our sin. We don't like our sin. We don't like our brokenness. We don't like the way things are in our lives. We would like them those things to go away, so we look for ways that we can try to save ourselves. Maybe something will save us. Sometimes it's a person. So we'll make a person our Savior. Maybe it's, uh, maybe it's a president. He's going to save us. He's going to change everything for us. Maybe it's a person, a relationship. Maybe a, maybe a spouse uh, will save me from the problems I've had in my life and will give me more meaning. Maybe it's things. Maybe even tangible or intangible. Things we can touch, maybe things we can't touch, but ideas, maybe something, something to save us. You know, we are offered all kinds of promises. Politicians are great at that. They offer all kinds of promises, right? Through the election season, many of us don't ever receive those promises. Other things that offer us promises, even though they don't have a voice, but they're calling to us. <laughs> Food, entertainment, sex, money, all kinds of things. Saying, hey, if you just have this, if you just have a little more of this, your problems will go away. It'll make you feel good. And you won't have to worry about the brokenness of your life anymore. Only one person, though, one person can deliver on the promise of salvation. God all-powerful, all-knowing, all-present, creator and sustainer of everything, 
He alone has salvation. And He alone came to be born as a baby. The Christ, the Messiah, or the Anointed One of God. The fulfillment of all of God's promises and all of God's plans and all of His purposes. And it's only through Jesus, we could call Jesus the God-man, because He's fully God and He's fully man, only through Jesus can we be saved from our sin. Only then can we have peace. And that's exactly, that's exactly what the angel promised. Look what, he, look what the angel said. When, the, when the, a multitude of the heavenly host came, they were praising God and they were saying, Glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace. On earth, peace among those with whom He is pleased. This, this concept of peace is not just the absence of war. No more wars! You know, hey, peace, peace in our time. That's not what He's saying. That's not, what, that's not the, the full meaning of the word peace. For the Hebrews and for the Jewish mindset, peace was more than that. It was an experience of wholeness in every area of life. Every aspect of life. It, it, it was basically centered in being restored to a relationship, a good relationship, a right relationship with God and with other people. And that affected every area of life. That's the kind of peace that is being offered here. That is the kind of peace that is being praised by the angels. God sent Jesus to make a way for each of us to have that peace. We're offered an opportunity to, made, to be made new spiritually. Only then can we truly follow God and His ways and experience the peace we're meant to have. It's not... I think about these shepherds and how, how they were these... They were the outcasts. <laughs> you think about if you were, if you were in a situation... Um, we've all probably been on the out at some point. Whether, you know, work, school, maybe you were on the outside of a clique, the popular crowd at school or something like that. We've all been there. I remember a time when I tried out for a basketball team when I was in 8th grade. And I thought, I'll give this a shot. I'll play basketball, maybe do winter sports, you know. And, you know, I'd been playing basketball. I was a fairly good athlete. I played, played baseball, and I played other sports, and I enjoyed it all. Um, and I got in there, and oh, ooh, trials were two weeks ago. Oh, and... Well, I'm, I'm a little late in trials. All right, I'll, I'll give it a shot. Spent a few days at doing that. And, and then, um, then the coach said, hey, thanks for trying out, but we pretty much have the team set. So, you know, um, appreciate, you, appreciate you coming. Don't come back. Well, he didn't really say that, but that's what I heard. Uh, well, I'm kind of an outcast, I guess, when it comes to eighth grade basketball. <laughs> I guess I won't be playing this sport. You know, we've all been there to some extent on the outside, right? We've all been on the outside at some point. But imagine, imagine being given the opportunity to be on the inside of something. <laughs> that through Jesus, we can have peace with God. We can have peace with others. 
We're no longer on the outside of His grace. We're no longer on the outside of His family. But now we're on the inside. And that doesn't mean that everything is going to always go swimmingly. It doesn't mean that it's going to be an absence of conflict, of war, so to speak. It doesn't mean that it's going to be an absence of suffering. But it means that we, are, we belong to a family and we, are, we belong to a God who loves us and cares for us and will walk through that with us. And will give us the spiritual peace and the eternal peace with Him no matter what we face or what we go through. I was um, reflecting this week on this passage and these shepherds and I remembered a story that I came across a few years ago. And I wanted to share it with you. I hope, you, I hope it makes sense to you. The story of a man um, who was a shepherd himself. And he lived over 2,000 years ago. And this is how it goes. He said this. He's an old man. And, he, and he's recalling his child. He said, I remember my childhood. How as a boy I roamed the hills around the small Judean town of Bethlehem. I remember exploring the forests around my home. My friends and I would play for hours, as long as there wasn't work to do. And it seemed like there was always work to do. My family raised sheep. It was hard work, not very glamorous. And we weren't a very popular family either. Not many people were interested in hosting a family of shepherds for dinner. But my father worked hard at it, and he took pride in his work. We would often spend several days and nights in the fields before taking the sheep into the small market in town. I can still remember how satisfied he was when representatives from Jerusalem came each month to choose the best of the flock for the temple. The temple was small in those days, but it never ceased to be the center of our worship of Adonai, of God. My father would remind us that our hard work made the offerings possible. Our peaceful lives began to change when I was around seven years old. Our home was only about eight miles from Jerusalem, so we received often the news reports from the city on a hill, Jerusalem. The sons of Alexandra had ruled Judea since I was a small boy, but things didn't always go so well for them. I suppose they were a lot like you know, other brothers, only that their disputes affected a lot of people. It got so bad that the greatest power in the world, Rome, finally intervened. I remember how my father and mother wept when they heard the news that the Roman general Pompey had invaded Jerusalem and he had entered the most holy place of the temple. It was devastating to all who remained faithful to Torah, the Old Testament law. It was then that our nation lost its autonomy. We no longer ruled ourselves. But we still retained a measure of religious freedom. In fact, it was at that point that we began to rely on our faith even more. And our hope in the Anointed One, the Messiah, the Christ, the promised Messiah, became even stronger. Some thought that our hope would, would come from a new ruler, from Idumea. My parents rejected that idea. His name was Antipater, and he wasn't necessarily a bad ruler. Some good came from his rule. We received more and more freedom to worship Adonai, according to Torah. And my parents and I rejoiced 
one day when the Roman tax was reduced. That was a good thing. Yet, Antipater was not a Jew. How could this foreigner rule the people of God? No, we still waited for the, the ruler to come. I was still living on the family inheritance outside Bethlehem when word came that the son of Antipater, Herod, had come to power in Jerusalem. My wife and I wondered aloud how this might affect the future of my seven children who would inherit the land from us. We found the answer one day when soldiers from Jerusalem came to my home. My oldest son was only 16 years of age at the time, but he was taken to work in one of Herod's many building projects. My wife wept as he left our home, but Adonai, God, was faithful. My son was sent to work on a fortress not far from us. Work at Herodium, the name of the fortress, was back-breaking labor, but we were able to visit him each month. It was, it was he who encouraged us as he praised Adonai for sending rain on both the evil and the good. He said, our God is looking over us. Well, eventually, each of our sons were sent to work throughout the land of Israel, some in the north at Galilee and some nearby at Jerusalem. But there is one project that I wish my parents had been alive to see. Herod began the greatest work of his reign when he commissioned a team to begin work on a new temple to Adonai. Two of my sons were sent to work there. When they visited, they reported to me the grand buildings which were slowly taking form on the mountain of Zion. Of all that was done during Herod's reign, I thank Adonai for that temple the most. My work during this time became difficult. Only the small children in our family, the grandchildren and the little ones, were left to help me care for our flocks. And I was not a young man anymore. I prayed every day that my family would be reunited. One day that prayer was answered when word came that the Roman emperor had declared that every person throughout the region needed to return to his ancestral home to be counted. Of course, we knew, what this, we knew that this would mean more taxes, but it meant also that my sons would return. And what a reunion. Five of my boys came with their families. We hardly had room for them all. That was a joyous time as we reminisced about better days. And what helped? I received at my work. The demand for sheep for the temple offerings only increased over the years and I was grateful for the providential help in managing the flocks when my sons returned. I realized our life had been blessed to this point but nothing could compare to the joy and the pain we experienced over the next two years. That first spring my sons and I had taken the flocks out to the surrounding fields, fields to graze on the third night, we were relaxing under the stars when the brightest star we had ever seen suddenly exploded with brilliance all around us. My eyesight wasn't so good at this time, but my hearing hadn't failed me yet. The voice I heard was like a mighty river, but it was the message that caused me to tremble. This was good news for everyone. The messenger from God told us that the long-awaited anointed one had been born. And in our own village, what news, what joy. We didn't, have, we didn't have long to ponder this message when suddenly the entire sky was filled with light and we heard the most beautiful sound ever. Glory to God in the highest. Peace on earth. That song echoed on our lips as we ran to the place the messenger had told us about. There was the tiny newborn child lying in a feeding trough what a place to be born. 
in a sheep pen. His young mother looked exhausted but filled with wonder. We worshipped the anointed one and then ran home to tell family, friends, and neighbors what we had seen and heard. I have often wondered how joy and pain are connected in this life. The following year we were to find out. Some men from the east came to our small village and they visited the little anointed one and his parents in their house at the edge of town. But soon after these men left, the young family disappeared suddenly and they never returned to Bethlehem. Shortly thereafter, we were devastated when soldiers from Herodium came to our village and slaughtered our young boys. My grandsons, my beautiful boys, my heart was torn from me that day. Why, God? Why have you sent our soul into this dark exile? Now, over ten years later, I look back with memories that are bittersweet. My heart aches when I remember the beautiful faces of my boys, but I also remember the light of that one great night. That light is still in my heart, and the darkness has not overcome it. Now I, now I wait for the light to be shown in all of our hearts. I have not lost hope in the Anointed One, but I wait. When will He appear? When will He redeem our people? When will He bring salvation? This man, what he experienced, he didn't experience the rest of the story. The story of a baby who grew to be a man. The God-man, Jesus. The story of Jesus who lived a perfect, sinless life in our place. Because we can't the story of Jesus who was put to death on a cross in our place so we would not have to be punished for our sins that keep us from God. The story of Jesus who rose from the dead and ended death's power forever so we would have life with God forever. That's the Christmas story, folks. That's the good news. It isn't Santa Claus. It isn't presents under the tree. It isn't holiday music. It isn't the lights. It's not the traditions. The good news was born in Bethlehem 2,000 years ago. And he was laid in a feeding trough. The good news lived and died and rose for us, for you. Have you received forgiveness of your sins? Have you given your life to him? Have you experienced the peace that only comes from knowing Jesus? Has your life been transformed so that others see and hear the good news from you, from your lips, praising and glorifying God? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, there is much pain in the world. There is much suffering there is bad news all around us. But Father, you are good. And you have given us good news through Jesus. So that the mess of our lives that we make all the time, every day, we're, we're messing things up, can be redeemed by Jesus.
Lord, um, we love you. And God, we want more people to come to know you, to be saved from their brokenness, to save, be saved from their sin. Father, help us to be faithful witnesses. And Lord, if we have not turned to you, God, we, oh, we need to. We need to. To receive what only you can give us. Peace. Forgiveness. Grace. Salvation. That is what you offer. We thank you and we praise you in Jesus' name. Amen. We're going to have a time of response like we do during um, every one of our worship gatherings. An opportunity that you can have to come before the Lord in prayer and, and um, respond the way God wants you to respond. You know, I don't know where everyone is at. I don't know everyone's hearts. I don't know what God's speaking to you about. If you need to make a decision for Jesus today, now is a day to do that. Now is a time. What greater time of the year? Christmas week. That's a Christmas message to share. That's a Christmas miracle. That's a, that's a Christmas testimony to share. I came to know Jesus. I received forgiveness of my sins this Christmas. If you need to do that, now's the time to do that. There may be a, some other decision that you have to make. And if you want prayer, you can come forward for prayer. Um, at the same time, after we begin singing, um, we, we want to celebrate um, the Lord's Supper this morning together. Um, the Lord's Supper is, um, is, uh, is for His church. And we come and we share the bread which is represented in these small crackers. and um, The bread represents um, Jesus' body that was broken for us on the cross. The drink, um, the juice there represents his blood that was poured out on the cross when he died for our sins. You know, we, we're, we're, we're pondering and wondering about the, the birth and we're celebrating that. But let's not forget why he came. Why he came? He came to die for us. And the bread and, and the cup um, remind us of that. And we partake in his, uh, his life through that. So we are going to do that as well. And I just ask you to, to prayerfully come forward um, to the table um, and partake as you feel led. And um, I'll let you um, and your families decide on on how to do that or even if to do it this morning. Uh, let's, let's stand together. Uh, we have a song that we'll, we'll play. and I invite you to sing along um, or just listen and worship in your heart. And, um, and uh, if you need to make a decision, I'm going to be standing right back here, kind of out of the way. So you just sneak back out here. And if you want to speak with me, come forward and, and I'll visit with you and pray with you about whatever decision you need to make tonight or today.
Once again, if you need to make a decision, I'd love to pray with you. I confess.